Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom! You're listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Between now and the Pirates' scheduled season opener on August 29th against Marshall, we will take a daily trip down memory lane as we will talk to former East Carolina football players about their path to ECU, their time in the purple and gold, and what they're up to now. Now let's talk Pirate football. Welcome into the Sports Objective, 50 Pirates in 50 Days. And with me right now, Bubba Rosenbaum, how are you, man? Doing well, Dave. How are you? Doing great. We're missing Kyle from LaGrange. She's on assignment. And so he'll be back with us, I'm sure, very soon. But Bubba, for our segment, 50 Pirates in 50 Days, another great show. You got another great guest. Yeah, last night we caught up with Fred Hicks, who played for the Pirates from 2004 to 2008. Uh, so now we're catching up with another guy who's from that era and now is up at the University of Maine, which we'll get to here in a little while. But welcome in former Pirate Kurt Von Bargen. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's good to be back uh, with the purple and gold. No doubt about it. It's amazing. We talked about that last night with Fred, and now you're another example of how many coaches we have that former players or coaches really proud to have a lot of uh coaches in pirate nation definitely we got some good roots and and uh we learned from some good guys before we get started again we, like we asked fred last night how are things for you as far as COVID 19 uh we'll talk about that uh there's lots to talk about with that but uh it seems like we're talking more about things off the field and off the court than we are about the actual sports one of these days maybe we'll get back to sports. Right. And uh, right now it's a balancing act. You know, when all this first started um, about mid-March, I think it was, yeah. our head coach, Nick Charlton, did a great job of just prioritizing, you know, things and what we wanted to do and not really just jump in, into conclusions and things we wanted to get done. So first and foremost, we want to make sure as our kids had to leave campus, they're going to, to safe environments where they had things they needed in terms of Wi-Fi, food, et cetera. Um, and then wanted to make sure they were adjusted academically with their classes going from in-person to online, um, supplying them the structure they were used to, but also being reasonable with what we could uh, give the guys. And um, also the workouts, our strength coach, uh, Coach Lynch, did a great job, posted YouTube videos for the guys to follow based off what they had available with weight room, no weights, and kind of similar boat nearly every school's in, whether you're Alabama, ECU, University of Maine, all of us were kind of in the same situation. And, uh, but our leadership really attacked it head on. And then um, once we got that scored away, we started doing some football with the guys and, and doing our best to give them that structure that they're used to, despite doing it in this environment while everybody's away. What no, year? Dave, I was just going to ask him before we moved on, um, as far as the technology you're using, obviously uh, everybody's um, become well acquainted with Zoom over the last three and a half or four months. But uh, in addition to that and FaceTime, I know uh, new East Carolina defensive coordinator Blake Carroll um, and his staff made use of Kahoot and those quizzes. And, you know, whether it's general football stuff or defensive uh, schemes specifically. So uh, what are some technology that maybe you didn't use before that you use now and may use going forward? 
Well, Zoom was the big one. I'll always use Zoom. It's so easy and the kids know it. That, you know, they have access on their phones, computers, whatever it might be. So Zoom was the first and foremost one. But then beyond that, we really got creative with watching film with the guys and how we taught things. We have an online system for the guys to watch um, whatever film they want. So I created, you can only watch so much of yourself from spring ball camp in the season. So I really watched a bunch of film with our guys, NFL film, NFL sack film, because the biggest thing was keeping the guys engaged. Um, and we did things like that. Most of it was still on Zoom, um, but just different ways to teach guys. Um, and really try to keep the group small because um, I have 18 guys in my room. I really taught in groups of like six to really engage the guys best I could, but just getting creative, um, different ways of teaching. But for, for us, it really stayed on Zoom and then um, also like FaceTime uh, groups as well. As far as uh, Kurt uh, is concerned with uh, with your recruitment for Beast Carolina, can you talk about how you became a pirate? Yeah, I recruited ECU. They didn't recruit me. Okay. <laughs> I was a walk-on. So, uh, oh, I'm wow. Virginia. I went to, I'm from Southside, Chesterfield County. Went to school at Benedictine, um, military Catholic schools in the city at the time. Um, played a bunch of sports. Football was what I wanted to do. I had some smaller school options. Um, some 1AA, D2 schools was kind of more reasonable route for me, but I wanted to give it a shot. I went to high school with Patrick Dosh who ended up transferring to ECU, me and him were close. Um, and I wanted to give it a shot at, 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 a, at, a, um, at a bigger level. And uh, I knew Pat really well. And uh, my head coach at the time knew uh, Coach McManus, um, who's a longtime ECU guy. And I know Ryan, I think Ryan's back there now, actually. Yeah, um, and they kind of talked, and Coach McManus said, I'll give you a shot. And I, and I got there uh, fall 2004, and I walked on. Um, so I kind of recruited ECU and then kind of went from there. That's really cool. And especially with a lot of times when you see the guys that uh, it's a blue collar school and blue collar guys fit in very well. Guys, I think one of the themes we've heard so many times is uh, I think Fred talked about that last night. As a matter of fact, Bubba, with the very fact that there's so many guys where they say, well, coach, I'd like to take him, but he's too small. He's not big enough or he's this or he's that. And uh, we're East Carolina. There's a lot of guys that that's why they play with a chip on their shoulder because they're underdogs and uh, like we were talking last night with ACC schools or some of the other so-called power five schools uh, when you get a chance to play them and beat them it's very special yeah we always knew who we were some of our best players were guys that didn't have the typical offer list if you will but were some of the best players that came through there man and we're proud of that and Kurt one of the things I want to ask you about um, I mean you know coming into the program like you like you were um, you had that coaching change going from John Thompson to Skip Holtz. Uh, how was that time? Um, was it was your status on the team ever in doubt, or um, how did that go? I, I think as a walk-on, you're always kind of wondering your status in the team because you're not you're not signing any papers to keep you around, so you're always kind of on edge a little bit. I had a coach when I first got there as a walk-on, and I I, I lived by this. What he told me, he said, "You're walking on and every day's your tryout." And I never forgot that. And I thought it was the best piece of advice I got. Um, so I always kind of viewed myself as being on the fringe. And I think the Coach Thompson staff got let go middle to end of the season. Um, November, yeah. And I was so young. I was a true freshman. I didn't know what was going on. I was just trying to work hard, be in school. I didn't really know anything, <laughs> you know. So uh, I remember this, though. Coach Holtz got there mid-December. And I'll never forget when he walked in the room, you just knew. 
you knew things were going to be different. He commanded a presence that I'll never forget. And you just knew things were going to work out. And as players, you know, I don't know if Fred touched on it. We were just hungry for leadership, for Coach Holtz to say go. And we were going to go jump in full speed, no questions asked. We were just tired, tired of losing and wanted to get this thing done. So, and then um, Coach Holtz gave us that confidence and he had a plan. He wanted to set a culture and, and he knew exactly what he wanted to get done, how he wanted to do it. And that trickled down from the assistance onto us um, all the way through the program. And Kurt, I remember one of the things that coach did, I remember vividly, um, I'm glad I didn't have to do it, but you guys did. Um, how, how was it learning the alma mater and having to sing? I know you guys had to do that. I was told in the football meetings and uh, they would put, uh, was it, they put the freshman up there, uh, it, like put the freshman or different guys that didn't know it and they had to learn the alma mater. Yeah, so the first year, everyone does it. His first year in camp, we had to sing it to dress. You couldn't put a jersey on until you sang Yama Mater. So after that first year, only the newcomers did it. But that first year, the whole team had to do it. I think it was 105 guys. And you had to get in front of the group, and he didn't do it in big groups. He didn't want you to, like, get drowned out by the rest of the guys. Um, but you, were, you, you practiced it, man. We were in the dorms at night, getting out of practice and meetings, like 10 o'clock or so. You practice it, and you're just uh, – and luckily for me, it went alphabetical order. So the V came last. <laughs> but I was able to just sing along with the other guys. So I kind of lucked out. If he went, you know, opposite, I'd been in trouble. But uh, I got my first shot with it, so I was good. Now, Kurt, before we go any farther, um, one of our viewers, Tommy Nason, is chiming in. I'm just kind of re reflecting on what you're saying there, or reiterating what you're saying as far as uh, that. He said, that's right. That's what it means to be a pirate in, in terms of uh, – getting overlooked and then um, using that to motivate you to accomplish what we accomplished. No doubt, man. It's huge, man. I'd be curious to see the guys that came on here and um, who they set off from versus who really did, you know, um, it's a lot of the guys that came to ECU who also recruited you. It was a lot of like the garden webs, app states, coastals, and they came to ECU and, and it was like that chip that everyone talks about and it stayed there. I just Before can't believe like Justin Hardy with, uh, with him, with Wes Craven. I mean, he actually, the fact he didn't even get, I, he didn't, I think we'd already offered all our scholarships, right, Bubba and, uh, and Kurt. And, and then, and they gave him, a, they said, if you can just make it this year, then they would put him on the scholarship for the sophomore year. I think yeah. that was right. According to what I heard, Dave, I mean, he had the offer from Fayetteville State, Division Two program, and then preferred walk on for us. Um, and then and then put him on scholarship there shortly after. And he he uh, he only had he he only became the the um as far as the the FBS yeah with the wide receiver the number of catches and yeah, then Zay repeated with it yeah and uh, having that was very special. So you know like if he didn't have any talent, uh, but that's Kurt. I guess that's what makes us special though is that. If we had a whole bunch of five stars, we probably wouldn't be, we wouldn't be the pirates. That's what makes us pirates is the very fact that mascot, everything's perfect about the geography, the mascot, everything's perfect about our school is that we're blue collar school. And some people, I think, want us to be Ivy League school. No offense to the Ivy League, but that's just not who we are. Right. Correct. Yeah. And we've always had a good gauge. We are as a program. 
somebody else that chimed in. He actually sent this in before the show began. And I, I, I told you about this because he was one of your roommates at ECU. And Jay Sonhalter, he said, my brother and Coach Von Bargain, <laughs> best roommate, great cook on the grill, always clean. Missed the college days. Pr I'm proud of Kurt's coaching career. And he's going to be a head coach one day. I appreciate that. Appreciate that, uh, Sonny, man. Oh, always give me some uh, some uh, good pumps. Whether it's on Facebook Live, when you're doing games on TV, I appreciate it. I can't yeah, wait, Kurt, to see the. I'm sorry. Okay, I, I was going to ask him if he had some leverage on Sonny for us. I got tons of leverage on Sonny. I don't know what I can what I can put on here, man, because Sonny's like the face and the voice of everywhere and everywhere I go, man. Everyone loves Sonny. Um, I can give you a lot when the cameras turn off, but um, okay, you right now. Um, We'll have to start charging people, Kurt. They don't need to get free content. Right. <laughs> no, I, gotta, I don't want to, to type anything bad about me while I'm talking, so i got to be careful what I say. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing will be cool, guys, is to see you, Kurt, as a head coach and having Jay, the broadcaster, interview uh, his former roommate. How about that? That would be really cool. Yeah, until I lose some games and it's coming off my head. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think you'll do all right for, for sure. Uh, as far as um, as far as um, when you had Coach Holtz there, and I know you guys were hungry. Do you feel the same way? I, I get this feeling um, from the guys going from Mo to Houston. It's not the same, but it's similar into what you guys you guys were hungry. Like you said, you knew when he walked in the room. I, I think that the guys have told us that are on the team right now that they felt the same way. It's similarly, when you said that, it brought a memory to me of the players. They were. They knew that he was a winner at James yeah. Madison. Everywhere he's been a winner at being Coach Houston. He has a fantastic staff. He's organized. I mean, I think the guy's organized down to the second for every single day. He's that organized. And I just feel something special. Um, it may not be this season, as I've said a hundred times on the show, but twenty one is going to be uh, very special. The recruiting has been. Uh, we told you that uh, right right before the show. Uh, the recruiting has been tremendous with this guy. I just can't believe all the great pieces he has as far as the coaching staff. And I know it takes a whole team as far as the coaching staff, but man, uh, they've been outstanding with, it. I can't believe it. Yeah, they do a great job. I, I, I've been in the area and coach has been in North Carolina and Virginia, and I've been in the general area now my, most of my life. And I just have tons of respect for him um, with how he's kind of come up and you know, everywhere he's been, he's won. And, um, Regardless of high school, D3, D2, D1, whatever, the formula for success is not that far off. Um, and I know if you guys on staff still and always say great things about him, and I have confidence that he's going to build a program on toughness and do it the right way. And it begins with recruiting and also developing the guys we got. Coach, we got a question for you here from uh, Tommy Nathan. He says, he said, Kurt, I heard when, when Coach Holtz got there, he felt the O-line was a bit heavy, so he took pictures of everyone with their shirts off and put them outside the locker room. Is there any truth to that? Well, I didn't play O-line, so I can't vouch for that. That's, that'd be a good Fred question, man. That's probably why Fred moved over. But I know I know we did recruit a bunch of, like, lean guys, like Willie Smith guys. I don't you remember him. Willie yeah. came in, and he's about, what, 6'6"? Uh, six, six? Came in about 6'6", six, six, 220, and he left at about 300 pounds. Um, and just, he embraced the weight room, did it the right way, played in the league. And I think those were the guys that, that he ideally wanted to get. But I, I can't vouch for that. That'd be a great Fred question. Um, I thought <laughs> Fred moved over from the D-line to O-line, but um, it's possible. Hey, Bubba, maybe you can text, text Fred and ask him right now. 
Yeah. I believe uh, Willie Smith is actually uh, back in the Raleigh Triangle area doing some real estate. Oh, good for him, man. Good for him. Started at the end first, then moved over. Yep. As far as uh, defense-wise with uh, your group, amazing stuff you did. What about now with uh, it's been five straight losing seasons? It's hard for me to say that every time. Um, five straight losing seasons for the Pirates. Do you think that uh, do you think there'll be improvements with having a new defensive coordinator? There's some there's a school of thought that's going to take some time, obviously, to learn the schemes and learn. You know, there's new defensive coaches and a defensive coordinator. However, um, if it's simple enough, sometimes you see when Rick Smith came in like in 2013. Uh, he simplified the defense, and the next thing you know, um, it's not a top ten defense, but it was enough to get you to a bowl. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll. Be, I'm sure they'll, they'll do it the right way. I know Coach Houston's been a defensive guy in the past, I think, but um, this year's a little tough given given new scheme. It'd be interesting how this year plays out with just doing thing on Zoom. But I'm sure they got great guys in place on defense. I know Chip really well on defense and uh, a other guys, so I'm sure they're going to have a good plan in place and putting the kids in good spots based off what they can handle. So, Kurt, one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, is, I know uh, you spent a lot of time on special teams, and uh, you, I mean, you were playing defense on with the guys, uh, the likes of Emmanuel Davis, um, Travis Simmons, uh, earlier in your career, Travis Williams. So just talk about um, being on the scout team and, and just what an important job that is, because I know uh, Coach Holtz and the staff, what they nominated you for the Rudy Award, which yep. is uh, talking about exemplary character and courage, et cetera. Yeah, and so Coach Holtz did a great job of defining everyone's role in the team. Um, and I knew my role. And I obviously I wanted to play more and more, but at the same time, the coaches did a good job of valuing the players like myself, then had the Monday through Friday role and not as much Saturdays. Um, so – Part of that was the coach acknowledging, you know, everyone on the roster and defining our roles in the team. So I was a scout team player for most of my, most of my career. Um, and I just embraced it, man, because I really felt like it made the team better um, for us to perform on Saturdays. And I just worked my tail off throughout the week, and it made Saturdays that much enjoyable. You know, like, um, as a scout team kid, it can be tough sometimes because you don't get a lot of the, the – um, you know, people call your name on Saturdays, but I know a kid like Chris Johnson, everybody, you work his tail off. A lot of people are saying like, Kurt, slow down. You know what I mean? Don't go so hard. I can say for a kid like CJ, he never said that he was encouraging it. He embraced it. And I can feel like I, I helped get the guys better and also get myself better. So when I did get my chance to play on Saturdays. Um, it was just like a Tuesday practice for me. Cause that's how I practice throughout the week. And Kurt, uh, certainly do you think that playing on, on the scout team, did that help you become a better coach or certainly prepare you what you wanted to do? It definitely did. Because um, like I said, it like knowing your role and embracing is important. You don't have to like it, but you need to embrace it and attack it. And that's kind of helped me as a coach to work. I can really talk to the players and tell them, like, hard work pays off. You come to work every single day, embrace the program. It works in the end. And there were days I got frustrated. I want to play more of this, that, and the other. Um, and I wasn't as talented as the other guys, but I just trusted the, I trust the process. I trusted the weight room, coach Holtz, coach Smith, coach Hudson. And, um, I ended up really happy with my production my last couple, about a year and a half, couple of years. Um, 
And I wouldn't change a thing because it really made me appreciate the work I put in. So I, I had to work for it. And um, so I should, I wasn't as good as the other guys. You're talking about the weight room. What about coach uh, Golden? I got a chance to meet him and really liked him a lot. Uh, he definitely was, uh, he was tough. It was good, man. So, like, I don't know how much people have talked about it, but we had these 6 a.m. workouts on Fridays for the guys that weren't on the, the travel list um, where we were kind of like their uh, test dummies. You know, we were pushing cars, stadiums, running weights. And a lot of those two, fall 2005 Friday morning guys, he was molding us. Um, it was guys like myself, Chris Maddox, Van Eskridge, um, I'm trying to think, uh, not CJ Wilson, guys like, you know, a bunch of guys like that, that he was molding um, with those tough 6 a.m. workouts. They really let us have a little bit. And after we lost to some game in 2005, he told us, that group, that as long as Coach Holtz is there, we'll go to a bowl game every single year. And it's going to start with this group right here. And it began, I feel like, in those 6 a.m. workouts on Friday during the season. Um, and he said, it can happen like this. And we were all a bunch of like, you know, young kids, walk-ons, whatever that were like, yeah, we're not, this, we're going to earn it right here on these Friday mornings. And, um, those, those Friday morning workouts were interesting. We're pushing bands up hills, um, ropes, different things like that. Maybe it was a trip, but it started with coach Golden in the weight room, in, uh, those early morning workouts. I remember seeing those, uh, back at that time, those big tires yep. that, uh, and I remember that, that he had you guys, I guess he had you guys pushing those tires. Oh, he did um, all. Yeah. Things like that. That was more like, I guess, more like farm work and not like. It was good, man. It was good. Cause guys yeah, Bubba, like... did you have a question? Yeah, that's what, when you came in, Kurt, and the, the Pirates were coming off a 2-9 and nine, two and nine season. Uh, prior to that, we were 1-11, so we had won three games in two years, and then in like you said, it was very apparent that Coach Holtz had been a head coach before and then he had such pedigree from his father. Uh, so with that being the case, uh, you saw five wins in year one and just on the verge of going to a bowl and then seven wins, eight wins, nine wins in the conference championship. So just talk about that progression now, especially looking back at it from a coach's perspective. Yeah, also the one thing I'll say, I mentioned like how he he uh, knew what he wanted to accomplish, how he wanted, and how he wanted to do it, and he never varied from that. He was in it to build long-term success. He wasn't in it to build it, you know, for year one to try and just, you know, uh, we always wanted to win the most games, but he built it the right way for long-term success and never took shortcuts. Um, you know, like for example, on defense, I remember with Coach Hudson that. We really, on Sundays, we would do, I want to say, like, up-downs for every MA we did um, from the previous game Saturday. And those just simple steps just paid off. So I feel like Coach Schultz, did it the right way, never varied off the track and what he believed in, and he was building it for a long term. The, you know, doing it by recruiting the guys, developing guys in the weight room, um, and also recruiting the right kids for the program. So he never varied off his path. Want to ask you about Coach Hud? Uh, and we've heard some funny stories about the prankster and Bubba. We're working really hard to um, to get him on the show. But uh, do you have any fo- uh, funny Coach Hud stories you can tell? I know it's a family show, but uh, <laughs> we've heard we've heard some stories last year. So we were wondering you were from that era. So I had to put you on the spot, especially being you're a defensive player. 
And yeah. Kurt, Kurt, before you answer this, uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Nick Johnson when we talked to him yeah. for 50 Pirates in 50 Days. He told a story. Uh, we had actually won the ball game, but the defense didn't perform up to our expectations and the standard. So uh, Coach Hud, he, he threw a cake uh, yeah. off, the, off the meeting room wall. Yeah, absolutely, on Thursday. Yeah, I remember that distinctly. Um, a good Coach Hud story, man, like um, – well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if it's not a funny one, but as a coach, you know, you get about 30 minutes of individual drill work. And for the guys that played that uh, they'll know what get right is, where it's basically like just you starting the goal line and you're going to do, uh, you know, ladders, sprints. Um, and usually typically think the plan is do it for five minutes and it's over with. And he always said, if you don't, if you don't do it perfectly the right way through the line, bust your tail, we'll go the entire ending. And as players, we're like, man, we're, there's no way we're doing it 35 minutes. Well, <laughs> multiple times we did it for 35 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so he, oh. he talked the talk and he walked the walk. He proved it early on that um, he was not messing around with that. So we learned that early on, man. And Coach, I just, you weren't going to do it right. We're going to keep doing it. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, the word soft is not in his vocabulary for sure, yes. right? Not, not one bit, no. <laughs> but definitely a coach that you would run through the brick wall. You hear that all the time as a, a sports cliche, but definitely yep. a coach you would run through a brick wall for. No, I told, I saw Garrett, uh, his son at the convention uh, this winter. And I told him the same thing. I said, man, like I would have done anything for your dad. You know what I mean? And all those guys. And he actually had a daughter that came back and uh, cheered for East Carolina. Oh, really? Nice. That's, I know he came back to a game or two. I think I saw on Facebook somewhere, which is good to see. Want to give a shout out, Bubba, to Chuck, one of our friends, uh, Chuck Young, who is uh, from Sportwork Ministries. Thank a lot of Chuck, and he's watching tonight. So I want to say hello to Chuck. Um, and hopefully, uh, something I want to ask you. I know we're talking about your career and all, but do you think uh, with the Ivy League today announcing there's going to be no fall sports? Do you think there's going to be spring football? And, and not the fall where we have normally where we would have football that'll be pushed back to January. It, it'll be interesting. I, I think the powers above people way above me. I've got multiple plans in place. Um, so the same thing I tell my players, man, keep your knees bent, ready to ready for any sudden change that comes your way. So as, as coaches, we ask players to be flexible as coaches, We got to stay flexible too. And I think if that's the route we go, it'll be exciting and different. And we'll just jump into a full speed like we do. As far as uh, I know, it's, it's something that's uncharted territory, but how uh, I guess it was going to be kind of tough to keep guys in condition, not normally as far as not conditioning like conditioning, but as far as game conditioning, it's going to be yeah, different yeah. because you're going to have a long time before you have your first game, right? If yeah, they do yeah, make that decision. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We, we've, we've given the guys a workout program. One thing I've stressed to the guys is, is everyone's got different access to weights, but you should be able to do the best you can to be conditioned if you have, if you have field access. Um, so I've told them that like your your actual weight room numbers might drop, but you should do whatever you can to be conditioned and be in shape. Now we have kids from like New York City and Philly with no uh you know open space, but uh it's going to be a thing. But I, our our strength coach Coach Lynch does a great job. He did studies in the NFL lockout in terms of like soft tissue injuries, and he's got a plan in place to get the kids right. Well, I was going to ask you that very, uh, that's a nice segue. I was going to ask you that very thing about injuries is something I worry about with the uh, student athletes. Um, 
how do you protect a guy, you know, again, with, uh, I guess it's, uh, trial, it's not trial by error because you guys are experts, but when it comes to, uh, injuries, I worry about that for, but I guess if you're the, the better you're in shape, the, you know, maybe they'll help with the injuries, not having an injury. Definitely. So the first thing we talk always learn is like uh, a big thing in the weight room and the strength programs, injury prevention, you know, um, and it's going to be when we put the pads back on, it'll be kind of a process and learning. We'll have to adjust things, um, but we'll do it the right way, man. One difference is a lot of times at our level in division one, you have kids all summer and they come to camp in shape. You know, one adjustment is we might have to use camp to get the kids into shape. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of guys and staff been different levels to so understand how we got to adjust there. We have a question from our co-hosts. He chimes in. Do you have your players back on, it should say campus, not campers, but I do love uh, an RV, but, uh, do you have your players back on campus yet? Uh, there's some guys that didn't leave. Some guys decided to stay at leases in town. So they just stay in campus because Maine has really been. For the most part, relatively a pretty safe place in terms of numbers. So we have a lot of kids stay up here, but in terms of the the makeup of the team, they're all not back yet. There's a plan in place. It's going to be very shortly. We've got everything in line. We just need it signed off by the powers above, and um, it's going to happen real shortly for us here at Maine. I just can't. It's, it's getting signed off. I think this week, and the kids be back here right after. Kurt, along those lines. Um... I know each school's handled it differently. That's one of the things. I know East Carolina, uh, they were testing upon arrival. The University of Houston, however, and the AAC did not, and they, and they uh, had to shut things down there a week or week and a half in because of that and the, the volume of kids that were testing positive. So um, how's the University of Maine handling it, and uh, how many have been positive so far? We have, we have not had the kids back, so we have not tested yet. Um, and we'll begin workouts when the kids get back. So, like, we'll know all those in the coming weeks about that kind of thing. But since we have not had the kids back from out of town yet to work out, we wouldn't. Ha- we don't have numbers positive. And and I apologize if, if you'd already mentioned that you guys weren't back. I apologize. I had to step away for a moment. But um, kind of transitioning from that, um, we talked about the influence that Coach Holtz had on you, and. Later on, after leaving East Carolina, after a couple of coaching stops elsewhere, you had the opportunity to rejoin Coach Holtz. But just talk about, just go uh, chronological order, starting off the U.S. Coast Guard, where you coached outside linebackers and were the video coordinator, uh, and then to Trinity, et cetera, and, and take us up to where you are now. Yep. Yeah, so I knew I wanted to coach right away. So I played for Rick Smith. Um, he was a former high school coach, and me and him are real close. And originally, that's the route I wanted to go. Then I finished playing, and I talked to Coach Smith, Coach Hudson, Coach Holtz about different options. And it turns out Coach Shank, um, his son's first job at the U.S. Coast Guard Academy Corps, who's now at Lafayette and different places as well. The U.S. Coast Guard offensive coordinator was a GA for Coach Shank for 91 Peach Bowl team. Um, So Coach Shank came and talked to me in that spring and said, Kurt, would you be interested in the Coast Guard? up in Connecticut. And before that, I had never been north of Jersey in my life. <laughs> um, and at first I was unsure, and I wanted to kind of stay in the area where I had a comfort level in Virginia, North Carolina. Um, and he advised me of the opportunity. I talked to court. Court said it was a great job. Um, and I went to the U.S. Coast Guard Academy in Connecticut. And it was a bit of culture change, but I absolutely loved it. Was there for a year. 
Um, then went to Trinity College, another D3 school in Hartford, Connecticut. Great place, great coaches. Um, and then was at Dartmouth for a brief amount of time um, up in New Hampshire, Ivy League school. Um, great, great bunch of coaches, outstanding. And then in June, they went to four GAs. And at that time, um, Coach Holtz is at South Florida, and one of the GAs is Joe Sloan. Um, and me and Joe are real close. I was in Joe's wedding last summer. They went four GAs, um, and they called me on a Friday and said, Kurt, we're going to four GAs. When can you get here? I left Saturday. <laughs> Got to camp by Sunday, ready for camp, um, and was with Coach Kosh. So I was with Coach Holt in South Florida for that. My first year was his last year. Um, I was with the linebackers and Coach Kosh. Um, and er then everything went down in December. Where the staff got where uh, staff got let go, and Coach Tiger came in. Um, I wanted to stay. I didn't know what was going on. I just people were coming in and out, so I actually slept in the office. So I made sure the first person Coach T saw in the morning was, was me, and the last person he saw was me. <laughs> um, and luckily enough, Coach Tiger kept me. Um, then was there for two more years and worked with the D line linebackers with Coach Tiger for two years. So I was there at South Florida three years total. Um, and then after that third year, um, Shawan University in Murfreesboro, North Carolina, which is about an hour or so south, north, north of Greenville, came open. Um, did some research, talked to the right people, and, and I got the job. I spent four years there as the linebackers coach and D coordinator. Um, so that was great to be back home. Um, you know, I was an hour or so south, or two hours south of Richmond, back in East North Carolina, where I had tons of connections and just, you know, great memories. Spent four years there. And then um, just January of 19, um, came University of Maine. The guy that replaced me at Trinity became the D coordinator at Maine, you know, brought me on. And um, so since January 19, been at University of Maine coaching the D-line. And it's very similar to ECU in terms of we take a lot of blue-collar type kids with different stories and how they got there. Um, so it's been great. Got a great culture, a great head coach, administration, man. We got a great group of guys on staff and great players as well. One year two right now. Yeah, I knew. Two, I knew two seasons ago uh, you guys what won ten ball games of the season prior to your arrival. Yeah, so they went to the final four. They won the CAA, which is traditionally one of the top dogs in FCS, um, and they really built this thing up, man. And uh, they won ten games, won the conference, went to the final four. Um, had some injuries, had some bumps last year, went six and six. But um, we really got a great group of guys, man. It's a special place. Where yeah, I wanted to ask you as far as the different places you've been, it, does it matter to levels or uh, where you've been as far as recruiting or is recruiting pretty much the same? Uh, I mean, that's like different levels. You might recruit kids at, at different times of their life. And, you know, at Chowong, we recruited kids late in the process as opposed to here. We start much earlier, have more resources. And at South Florida, was a much bigger thing being in Florida and the magnitude of the recruiting there. But I think any level of recruiting is about relationships um, and just also taking time to just listen to what kids want. And I've been at D3, 1AA, FCS, FBS, and there are certain things that, that, that uh, you know, transition over. You, you got to work hard, have a plan, okay, and just be honest with the kids. Um, and that carries over in my mind from any level. It just – you have different resources and, and um, different kinds of kids in each spot. But the core of it stays the same in my mind. 
Bubba, do you have a question? Not a question. Um, I mean, just a comment. Like and like Kurt was saying, on the the CAA, um, a lot of folks refer to it as the SEC of the FCS. Um, and certainly, and certainly, uh, consistently, one of the top two or three leagues of the FCS. Yeah, it's tough, man. Every every week, I mean, like every week's a grind, man. Every week's a grind, and um, our kids know it, and we embrace it, and um, that's one of the special things about the league is um, just the competition from recruiting to on the field. I know that the coaches don't like to talk about it, but what do you think about the upcoming season for, for Maine? How do you feel about going in? We don't know when we're going to play the first game, obviously, uh, but how do you guys feel as coaches realistically? I feel great. we got a great group of guys. I know on the D-line we lost some all, we lost four seniors. Um, so outside looking in, you know, that, that's a concern, but I'm ecstatic about the guys we have. We have a bunch of talented young kids that are ready to step up and they're hungry. Okay. So I know um, we got a lot of great players coming back and um, they're hungry to prove people wrong. Despite losing four guys up front, we got a bunch of talented guys back that have played some games um, and they've attacked this off season. And I, I couldn't want anything more from these guys. They've been great. So I'm ecstatic for the year, whenever that may be, um, we'll be full go when it happens. As far as the administration is concerned there in Maine, have you guys felt the pain like East Carolina? A lot of schools I, I saw where Stanford cut 11 sports or something like that. It's crazy what's going on in college sports right now. Yeah. We have not been hit like that. Um, I can't predict the future, but so far we, we, we've been good with everything. Um, um, RAD Ken Ralph, I think, has handled the thing outstanding, um, as, our chance, as, as has our chancellor, our head coach. So we have not seeing the same cuts um now in terms of what happens going forward i can't speak for that but but right now man i've, I've, I've been blessed to, to work for a great group of guys well did you have a question no dave i i, mean, I think uh, i'm pretty i'm good that's uh, so what i just wanted to uh thank kurt for coming on and we'd love to have you back on down the road when we're actually playing some football to uh to talk about things there at Maine and the CAA. No doubt. Maybe you guys want me back. Just, just give me a holler and, and we can make this thing work, man. It's good to be back. All right, Kurt, how can people follow you on social media and keep up with you? Yep. So I've got a Twitter. Um, it's at Kurt Von Bargain. Uh, it's probably the best way. Follow me on there. You guys can give me a follow, give me a DM, give me a shout, whatever you guys need. Um, but I would love to just, you know, I love ECU man a lot to me. I told everybody, um, Outside of my parents, my experience and the coaches had at, a, at on me at ECU where the biggest impact me, impact on me as anyone in my life. So it's a great place, man, and um, just love being back involved a little bit. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you being a part of 50 Pirates in 50 Days. Pirates kick off week zero, August 29th, until we hear something different. So we have 50 Pirates in 50 Days regardless. Kurt, thank you so much for being on and look forward to having you back on very soon. No doubt. Thank you, guys. You take care. Right. Thanks, Kurt. Definitely. Great night there to have Kurt on, Bubba. Appreciate him so much. It's been a lot of fun uh, doing 50 Pirates in 50 Days. I know we've got a lot of great uh, programming coming up. And tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to miss tomorrow night, Thursday night, right here on the Sports Objective. Yeah, tomorrow night we're going to be talking East Carolina wrestling of course, the Pirates had a dynasty back in the, the mid, early to mid-70s, 72 to 77. Uh, we won five consecutive Southern Conference titles. So 
going to be a lot of fun catching up with Coach John Welburn, who orchestrated that, and then also several of the wrestlers who made it happen on the mats uh, and and produced a 94-14-3 and three mark for Coach Welburn from 67 through 77. So going to be a lot of fun talking about that tomorrow night. Um, no trivia on Friday night, and then uh, next Tuesday – we will have um, we'll have Rachel Barbeau from Sirius XM. We've had her on the program before. She'll be rejoining us. And then also Curtis Steeman, East Carolina alum with Port City Films, who's done such an excellent job with the entrance video. And then uh, on tomorrow's 50 Pirates in 50 Days, join me early, folks, or uh, catch it after the fact, uh, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube. Um, SoundCloud or Anchor, those four places you can hear these interviews. They're all archived, of course. Uh, tomorrow at 7.30 a.m., I will be catching up with, and Dave may join me depending on his situation getting to work. Uh, we will be joined by Richard Koontz, former Pirate linebacker from this same era. I was to say I can have breakfast with Bubba, right? Sure, Vir- virtual breakfast. All right, sounds good. Are you buying? You can Why buy not? it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah I like, it's funny. I I went back and watched the the interview that Clip Brock. Uh, he's done an excellent job with the Pirate Radio cool. Zoom Room, and I never had the opportunity to watch the one he did with Alec Burleson uh, here about three weeks awesome. ago. So, so I watched that this afternoon. And Burley's actually with baseball not going on. He's of course working out and doing the things he needs to do to stay in shape and uh, be prepared from that angle, but uh, to try to generate a little income for himself, he's delivering for DoorDash. So, uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's actually up, up of course in the Lincoln County area. He's been doing that and actually is, uh, I think back in Greenville now. That's crazy. Well, I'll tell you what, very excited. Uh, I heard from our good friend, Trent Britt and, uh, the next level training center. And apparently they had a great month of June. They, they've got, of course, a lot of great, players, baseball players, we've had him on and maybe we can have him back on Bubba soon, but I know they're taking all the right precautions and they're doing all the safety measures and all the stuff the governor and local uh, authorities have asked um, business owners to do, but really happy for him and any business owner right now uh, that's able to be open and doing what they have to do to uh, stay open and be in compliance uh, with local and state and national officials. Yeah, it's certainly been hard on those guys. That's excellent news to hear that Trent Britt and the folks in Next Level Training Center in Greenville are doing well. Uh, some other notes that I wanted to mention, I know we've already referenced multiple times what was going on with the Ivy League. They were, of course, the first to shut things down back in early to mid-March, and now the, yeah. they're the first at the Division One level to shut things down. I've, I've seen some folks saying that they were the first to shut things down. I know there's a Division II conference, if not multiple Division II conferences that shut things down probably at least two weeks ago out in California. So uh, kind of some East Carolina basketball notes. Uh, of course, uh, Joe Dooley uh, made a statement yesterday. I think this was Stephen Igo or e- either Stephen Igo or Ronnie. It was Ronnie, Ronnie, it was Ronnie. Ronnie with the Daily Reflector, uh, saying that everybody on the roster, with the exception of Charles Coleman and then Noah Faircon, are back on campus, which is excellent. And they've all undergone the the COVID nineteen testing. Um, did not specify how many, if any, tested positive. 
Um, but then also um, East Carolina basketball alum, Michelle and Ziggy. Uh, Ziggy was signed by the um, Geneva Lions, who's a, a Swiss league powerhouse. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with them. So congratulations to Michelle and Ziggy. That's very cool and uh, very happy to uh, – we need to have Coach Rockerford on. Uh, I've got a little bit of a beard. I've got a – I didn't have time to, to shave this morning or this evening, uh, getting here just a nick of time to – be able to do the show, but, uh, coach rock, man, he actually, uh, has gone to clean shave. I used to call him. I don't know if I told you and Kyle, but the professor of basketball, he looked like a college professor and now, uh, he looks totally different now without that beard. And now you have, uh, you got some facial hair growing even more, uh, now. Um, but anyway, coach rock, we hopefully we can have him on and a lot of coaches and, uh, certainly, um, thinking about Kim McNeil. The great job she and her husband Corey and the whole staff have done for women's basketball. I mean, Bubba is a great. It's uh, now now's never been a it's never been a better time to be a pirate than right now because uh, we're only going to go up. And I really feel like with the direction of uh, with the coaching staffs and uh, everything, things are looking really good for the Pirates right now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I certainly agree with you. We have a bright future with all the coaches we have in place. Uh, Johnny Gardner chiming in. Great show as always. Kurt Von Bargen, tremendous ambassador for the Pirates. No doubt. Uh, Jason Halter had told me when I told him earlier this afternoon that we were going to have him on, that he was um, very well-spoken, a tremendous interview. And like we read in the comment earlier when Kurt was still on the program, um, that Jay thinks that he has the potential to be a head coach down the road. And after hearing that interview, I certainly agree. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe Kurt Von Bargen will be back on the sidelines, whether it's an assistant coach or as a head coach for East Carolina someday. And of course, he referenced Joe Sloan. That's another guy from that um, Coach Holtz, uh, Skip Holtz tree, who is now Coach Holtz's offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach down at La Tech. That's great news. And, you know, that, that's a sign. You always hear that, Bubba. And you know this because you've, uh, you've coached. You always know a great sign of a coach, a great coach, I should say, whether it's like a huge tree, a coaching tree where it starts off with that coach and then all these other coaches. It just keeps like there's a whole bunch of branches, right? And, uh, with coach Holtz, you, you can't argue the guy won, uh, two championships and back to back in 2008 and 2009. And, I often wonder what would happen if coach had stayed here like I thought he was going to do. And then next thing you know, he goes to USF. Yeah. Rick Smith kind of addressed that and he said he didn't want to speak for coach Holtz, but he certainly, uh, and I'm sure this was easy in hindsight because things didn't go well at USF, but he said coach Holtz certainly loved Greenville and, in his opinion, he was guessing that Coach Holtz probably uh, second-guessed that move maybe a little bit, but I don't know that to be the, be the case. But certainly appreciative of everything that Skip and his family did for East Carolina while they were there from December of 04 up through uh, January of 2010. But obviously not a whole lot going on right now in the way of sports, but uh, one of the things that is going on is the PGA has been playing uh, without spectators. And Harold Varner the third, uh, he had one rough outing, I think, down um, in Hilton Head where he missed a cut. But other than that, uh, he's played pretty well for three or four events, and he's accumulated, I think, seven hundred eighty-two thousand plus dollars in earnings and uh, earned forty-three thousand plus on the most recent tur- 
tournaments, excuse me, at the Rocket Mortgage Classic up in Detroit, I think it was, last weekend. Yeah, I'll take that. How about you? Will you take that and we'll do the sports objective? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seven, seven, 782,000 plus, uh, not, not bad. And I want to say Harold's right around 100, maybe 105 as far as his world rank. Um, but he's somewhere in that general general ballpark and hopefully he'll continue to play well and if he continues to, to play good golf uh, sooner or later he's going to put it together on the weekend and find a way to uh, find the find a way to get into the winner's circle you know Bubba I think I've told you this before but if I haven't I don't think I have with the audience but golf as far as uh, TVs are concerned the high definition televisions that we have now uh, has really improved the game of golf. I, you know, even though now we have, uh, have an HV3, of course, a lot of us are watching more and more golf than we ever have. And, and the fact that you see those televisions, man, it looks impressive, uh, to see uh, golf on television now. I got your own mute if you can hear me. You're on mute. Sorry. Uh, yeah, like you're saying, technology, um, I, I love to, and this has been this way for several years now, but um, uh, for the last decade or so, uh, just like the sky cam with football um, where, that moves with the ball on the, on the cable uh, over the field, same, same thing. Uh, I love uh, seeing, seeing the aerial shots of the drives and um, some, something else I want to mention um, on, on the college football front. We talked about the decision the Ivy league made, uh, I also saw that Northwestern and Wisconsin, they were supposed to play at Wrigley yeah. Field this year. And, in November, uh, right. and the Wisconsin AD um, made the decision, um, I, I'm sure in conjunction with the Chicago Cubs, that that will not be the case. Uh, hopefully we'll have an opportunity for them to play, period, this fall. But it's looking uh, less and less likely uh, not, not to be a glass half-empty guy, but uh, it's not looking good. and. Um, also, something I mentioned this broke in the last couple of days, but I know the University of Hawaii will be looking for a game because Fordham, uh, an FCS program, will not be playing in, until at least um, I think it's September 26. That's assuming anybody's playing, but their first three games in conjunction with their COVID-19 regulations have been canceled. So. If Hawaii is playing football, then they'll be looking for a game on the 26th of September. Wow, that's uh, amazing. And hopefully um, that'd be cool for us to take the trip to Hawaii, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I know we're not going to be doing that, but we've got a, we got a packed uh, schedule. But you never, yeah, I'll tell yeah. you what, you never know with, uh, you know, not playing hypotheticals here or what else. But, man, you could have it where, a couple of our games are canceled, right? And not like, uh, we want them to, but who knows what's going to happen. I think that, um, for those of us that work day to day in the environment of COVID, it's extremely stressful. Um, I'm praying, Bubba, I'll tell you this. I am praying. We don't wear a mask on television here on, on certainly on social media with, uh, with, uh, the sports objective or Facebook live or YouTube. But I tell you what, folks, if you don't, Wear a mask. It's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Um, and it's not like something that's going to go away. And I'm praying that we'll see where people, especially in the demo 20 to 44, that demo is uh, not taking things seriously. The numbers have spiked. North Carolina now, um, I sent you guys a picture, uh, the graphic today, Bob. I don't know if you saw that, but 
North Carolina is not 25th in the nation, but 25th in the world with the number of cases right now with the outbreak. And that's up there with other states and literally other countries. Arizona, I know, is way up there. Florida is way up there. But we are in the top 25 and not a category we want to be in. Not at all. I'm just everybody has to be responsible and take care of themselves. Uh, the power of one, as they say, and just do what they need to do. And then that's all, that's all we can do. Yeah. And I know with you, for example, and your wife, Stacy, and then I know Kyle's wife, Jessica, all are teachers and uh, your particular coach coach. And uh, that's what, you know, I was worried about, uh, you know, we were talking about this before. I thought by now we would start to be, be moving away and things would be better. We are talking about tonight where we're still, uh, the cases are going up as an outbreak and, uh, hopefully by, hopefully in the next, maybe in the month of July, people will, things will get better. And maybe it's a month later than we anticipated. Those of us, uh, by now we thought, including, I think, uh, Dr. Breen Bubba said last week, you mentioned to me off air that he thought that very case by now we would be there. And so I agreed with him and, um, hopefully we'll, We'll start to see where the businesses in North Carolina will take, and I won't call anybody out, but there are certain businesses that we have in common, if a chain store, if you will. And when somebody asked that person, they said, how come they asked that place, that worker that was working there, how come you're not getting on people? They're not wearing a mask. And the person said, well, our manager told us not to. So in other words, they're more, they care more about the money than they do people's lives. So I don't want to go on my soapbox and tangent on that. I just want people to understand that it's real. It's serious. And if you love sports, there's so many pirate fans of pirate nation not wearing a mask right now. Please put on a mask. We'll see how much you love ECU football because, um, it's going to be a big over the next, uh, Bubba, there's never been a more critical time now, whether we play in the fall than if we could somehow turn this thing around in the next few weeks by, um, especially when you have a uh, Q Tucker today. Um, I know I um, sent that to you, but um, she had a press conference with the North Carolina high school athletic association, the commissioner who we had on the show that we like a lot. And I know they, uh, I, I know they, uh, as far as reporting and uh, people trying out for sports and stuff, that day is August the 1st. So I would imagine they would have um, until somewhere on that date to make a decision, right? Yeah. School. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they have to move quickly. Um, I, I don't know what the drop dead date uh, w- would be uh, as far as that type of decision, but obviously they don't have long because that <laughs> that date's just three weeks away as far as far as practices getting underway officially. But um, but yeah, it's not not looking good. I cannot imagine being one of these high school athletes and looking at looking at missing my uh, senior season, whether it's football, volleyball, whatever. All right, Bubba. Well, uh, I appreciate all your hard work and uh, appreciate Kurt coming on. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, by the way, folks, if you have a certain pirate you want on for 50 Pirates in 50 Days, maybe you're a player, maybe you played with uh, the guy or maybe you were college friends, whatever the case may be, a relative for 50 Pirates in 50 Days. Uh, we have, uh, what, 40 some more days before we uh, have the first, hopefully the first game. You can email us, thesportsobj at gmail.com, thesportsobj at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook and of course we'll talk more about our football, um, sweepstakes and hopefully 
we can give those season tickets away soon. But whenever we pl- do play, we will give those uh, tickets away for sure. Bubba, man, thank you so much for all your work behind the scenes and certainly on camera and on the mic as well. I appreciate it, Dave. And uh, remember, make note of that interview tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m. right here on Facebook Live and YouTube. I'll be joined, and perhaps Dave will join us as well as we'll catch up with Richard Koontz, former East Carolina defensive end and linebacker. All right, Bubba, thank you to thank you again so much for your hard work. Thanks to Kurt, and I know he's working really hard in Maine. Appreciate it, man, about being a part of 50 Pirates in 50 Days. And we'll see you tomorrow morning right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates. You've been listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Remember, each of these interviews can be seen on our Facebook and YouTube channels, or the audio only can be heard exclusively on SoundCloud and Anchor. Wherever you watch and listen to the show, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. As always, we appreciate you listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Go Pirates!